questions that we all have, questions that we are asking, um, not just us as well, I think everyone is asking these questions that we're answering. And so this morning, what I'm going to be looking at, um, or what we're going to be looking at rather, is justice, okay? The idea of justice. And I think justice seems to be something that we are all innately kind of wired towards. And what I mean by that is that we all have this kind of sense of right and wrong, okay? We all have that, okay? And you see this in children, right? So I've got two small children, and my life can sometimes be characterized by the phrase, that's not fair, okay? And we, like, we get that, right? So even as children, there's this sense of right and wrong, and then through family and through society and through rules and laws, that sense of justice of right and wrong gets developed, right? And I think, well, as I was preparing the message this morning, something that I really felt God speak to me about is that there were people here or, or people that are going to be listening that have, when I said the word justice, you kind of inwardly cringed. Um, and the reason why you inwardly cringed is because you're just tired, you're exhausted about the idea of justice. The, the idea of justice just seems to just be so far away from your experience, or the idea of, some, of things being put right seems to be so far away from the reality that you find yourself in that you're just exhausted by it this morning. Um, and I just really felt like I wanted to encourage, if that is you this morning, I really feel like I just wanted to encourage you that this word this morning is for you, okay? Because as we're going to see, God has got an answer to the problem of injustice, okay? And we all get justice, we get it on a big scale, okay, don't we? We get it on the idea of climate change, the war in Ukraine, we get it to specific situations, like the death of Chris Kaba in London, like the deaths of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa. Like we, get, we get it in specific situations like that. And all of us in this room has experienced injustice in some way. Every single one of us, okay? Doesn't matter how young you are, you will all have experienced injustice in some way, shape, or form. And that can be people just talking about you behind your back making false accusations, you know, you're hearing about something that's gone on on a WhatsApp chain that has been, you've been spoken about, things like that, being like passed on a promotion for work, not getting the grades you feel like you, you should be getting um, or that you're due, being misrepresented by people, okay? Like we have all experienced injustice. That has all happened. That is a common experience for all of us. And there's a sense that no matter how good the system is, no matter how good the system is, and no matter how much people are working towards justice, it's not happening. There's this sense of injustice, right? And I know there's people in this room that work for the police. There's people in this room that work within law. And we are very fortunate in this country that there is a justice system, that we have got places that we can appeal to for justice. But I think it, especially the people working within those environments know that it's not a perfect system, right? There, is, there are matters of injustice that happen even within the justice system, okay? So our question this morning that we are going to be looking at is, how can there be justice in the world? How can there be justice in the world? And the way that we're going to answer that question this morning is we are going to look at John, and specifically we're going to look at John chapter 1 and John chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible this morning, I'd encourage you to open it, follow along, um, it's always good to be in the Word together, but if not, it's going to go up on the screen behind me. So let me read from you, first of all, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and then down to 9 to 14. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, 
And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, and we're going to skip ahead to John chapter 3 now. I'm going to read verses 16 to 21, familiar verses for some of us. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Okay, so I'm going to be really upfront with you this morning, and I'm going to give you the answer to the question at the start. Okay, and I'm hoping that you're going to stay with me, even though you have the answer, um, because as with all things that relate to God, or as I'm learning with things that relate to God, the answer is both stunningly beautiful and incredibly challenging to us, or to me at least. Okay? So the answer to how can there be justice in the world, number one, Jesus. And let's be honest, no one wasn't expecting that answer. We're sitting in church, okay? So Jesus is the first answer, and we will look at how Jesus is the answer to that question. And the second answer to the question of how can there be justice in the world is God's people, okay? Us. We are the answer to that question in the world. And so starting with Jesus. So as Jazz spoke about in the first week where we looked at the Gospel of John, we looked at how Jesus, as is revealed in John chapter 1, is the eternal Son of God. Okay? He's the eternal Son of God. And as John continues in his narrative, in his explanation of who the person of Jesus is, he's revealing Jesus not just as the creator at the beginning of time, but also as the one who is coming in to renew creation, okay? So the Christian hope and the Christian belief is not that once Jesus returns, that he's going to destroy this creation and we're going to live some kind of ethereal existence in heaven, but that Jesus is coming, and as he comes, he's going to renew the world, restore the world to the way it always should have been. And John, as he is explaining who Jesus is, is revealing that Jesus is coming to renew creation. Another way of putting that is Jesus is coming to put right what is wrong, okay? Which might be a really good way of explaining what justice is. That justice is putting right things that have been done wrong, okay? So Jesus comes to put things right. And the way that he does that is by ushering in, ushering in the new creation. So in John chapter 3, verse 16, 
the most familiar verse to many of us from what we read, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And to the people that are hearing these words from Jesus, the original audience, the original Jewish hearers, there's only two places in their thought, okay? You've got this age, the age that they are in, and that age is the age that is categorized by brokenness, it's categorized by injustice, it's categorized by sin. That's the age, this current age. And then in their thinking, the only other place or time there is, is the age to come. And the age to come, which will be ushered in by the Messiah, is an age where there will be wholeness instead of brokenness, there will be forgiveness instead of sin, and there will be justice for all. Okay, those, those are the two times, the two spaces within Jewish thought. And the way that they would have spoken about the age to come is they would have used this phrase of eternal life. So when Jesus is saying that he's come to bring eternal life to people, he is saying that he has come to usher in this new age, this age that is to come. This time and space where there is going to be wholeness. This time and space where there's going to be peace. This time and space where there's going to be justice for all. So in other words, Jesus has come to put all things right. Jesus has come to put all things right. So then the question is, how? How does he come to put all things right? How does he accomplish this thing that he is saying he has come and set out to do? And the answer to how he has done this is that Jesus puts all things right. Jesus brings justice by suffering the greatest injustice the world has ever known. Jesus puts all things right by having done to him the greatest wrong that has ever been done. Because Jesus, as the only human that has never sinned, the only human that has never done wrong, the only human that has lived a perfect and holy life before God is arrested, misrepresented, beaten, mocked, spat on, kicked, had a crown of thorns put on his head, he's forced to carry his cross. The Bible talks about how he's unrecognizable as a human because of the treatment on him, and then he is crucified and dies. That the way that Jesus puts all things right is that he takes upon himself all the wrong that there is in the world. Because Jesus, on the cross, defeats the two roots of injustice. The two roots of injustice are sin and Satan. And upon the cross, Jesus takes those things upon himself. He defeats the power of Satan, and he defeats the power of sin, and therefore ushers in the age to come. He ushers in what no one else could do in bringing wholeness and bringing peace and restoring to us the things that we have lost and could never get back because of sin. That Jesus has come to do that. And if you're like me, the question that will immediately come up in your mind, but you may not be like me, but this is what happens when I hear things like that, is I hear things like that and I go, so where is this justice? Like, where is it then? Like, if Jesus has come to do that, and he did that 2,000 years ago, right? Like, it's not like it's a recent thing and we're just kind of waiting for it to roll out. Like, he did that 2,000 years ago. Like, where's the justice? 
Like, where is that in our society? Like, we've just, I spent a little while setting up saying that there is masses of injustice, and we're all aware of that, right? So the question is, so, so, so what, what is going on? And the answer is that God's kingdom comes now in the person of Jesus and is coming in the person of Jesus. So God's justice has come now in the person of Jesus and is coming in the person of Jesus. And so when Jesus returns, he's returning to judge everyone and everything. That there is no misdeed, there is no evil, whether secret or public, that will not be judged by Jesus upon his return. There is no thing that has gone wrong, no sin that will not go unpunished by Jesus. And the judgment that will be had is a judgment by a perfect judge who knows all things, sees all things, and understands all things. So his justice is the only one that can be just, truly just. And he is a good God and therefore must be just. And so when Jesus returns, there will be judgment. All will be judged. And those found in him will be renewed to eternal life. And those that are not will be separated from him for all eternity. There is a judgment that is coming. And it will be total and complete and final. But that is not where we are now. Jesus has not come back yet. And so we are, in, we are in the time where Jesus is ushering in his kingdom, but he's doing it through us. Okay? So we are the second answer to the question, how is there justice in the world? So John chapter 16, verses 7 to 8 says, Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So in Christ, through the Spirit, we become agents of justice in the world. I'm going to repeat that again, okay? In Christ, through the Spirit, we become his agents of justice in the world. And just as bringing justice is something that Jesus did, it's what he came to do, so too does it mean that as when we follow him, we become people who bring justice. So to use the, the, the phrase of Micah 6.8, we become people that do justice. Because that is part of what it means to follow Jesus. It's part of what it means to be transformed into his image and likeness. It's to be people that bring justice into the world. And I think we need to be honest. We need to be really, really honest about the fact that the church has not always done this. The church and institutions that have borne that name have been responsible for acts of injustice. We need to own that and understand that and not pretend that that's not happened. That we have not always been the people that Jesus has called us to be. That there have been errors through the church that have caused injustice in people's lives. We just need to be aware of that and to own that. Because if we don't own that, then we can never understand that this is exactly who God is calling us to be. To be people who bring justice. So we can then say that it should never be so again and far be it from being something that happens here with us. That we are called to be agents of his justice. 
And so I just wanted to make it really, really practical this morning for us. Really, really practical of how God is calling us as his people to be his agents of justice in the world. And there's two ways, okay, two ways that I feel like God is saying this is exactly what it means to be his people. This is, this is the model that Jesus did, okay? So two things, speak out and step in, okay? Speak out and step in. So I'm going to give some examples and then I'm going to kind of explain a little bit about how this works and maybe some errors we need to be aware of in that. So the first thing, speak out. Should be fairly self-explanatory. You know, that's, these are things like lobbying politicians, signing, like lobbying politicians, signing petitions, like being a voice, right? But it's not just in those big spaces. And I think sometimes we can, we can put justice in that box, right? Like the way that we can do justice is on the political stage, or at least by, by pressuring politicians to do that. And that is definitely a way to do that. We should be speaking out to politicians for things that represent Jesus, and in particular, people that don't have a voice. But more than that, I think it's also in the spaces that God is calling us to, that we can be agents of justice in our workplaces, in our colleges. We can be those agents of justice by speaking out when we see injustice. So if someone is being misrepresented by a colleague or by uh, someone who's in authority over you, it's about speaking out against that misrepresentation. If someone is being excluded from a group or from a situation or a project or a conversation because they don't fit or because of their race or because of their gender, we need to be the ones speaking out against that. that. That is exactly who God is calling us into. God is calling us into those spaces to speak out for his kingdom. And the church has always done this. The church has always done this. When the church was not an official church in Rome, the people of the church were pester the Roman leaders um, advocating for the poor. And being poor in the Roman Empire, we didn't have this, this, idea, this Christian value of if you're a victim, you need to be supported. That's not a thing in ancient society. If you're a victim, it's normally because people want you to be. And yet the church would step up and go, no, 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 we need to look out for the poor. Where's the finances? Where's this? There's a famine. Where's the food? So the church has done this throughout history. This is what we're called to do. And I get that this is something that is really hard. Because actually, there's a cost to this. There is a cost to this. We can be misrepresented ourselves as we stand up for other people. Like we, could, we, could like we could lose our jobs for standing up for other people. Like we could lose friendships over this. And the reason for this is because secularism, which is what is going on in our culture, we're in a secular society now, would say that we're allowed to believe what we believe but it's got to stay within these four walls. Or it's got to stay within the four walls of our home, right? You believe you can believe what you believe, but just don't tell anyone about it. No one else wants to know. No one else needs to know. And if you tell someone about it, you're, you're, you're intolerant, right? But that's a lie. And that's not who Jesus has called us to be. Jesus has called us to be people who speak out against injustice, who speak up for those who don't have a voice. And because often the people we're speaking out for are not the people in power and authority, we're going to seem a nuisance. But that is exactly who God is calling us to be. Right? 
Thanks, Kim. That's exactly who we're calling God's calling us to be. Now, there is errors. There are ways that we can do this poorly. And I hope you hear this in the right heart when I'm saying this. The first thing that we need to be really careful of and is not a good representative of Jesus is that the way that we do this is by being a keyboard warrior. Okay, so what I mean by that is that we feel like the way that we're bringing about justice is by having a go at people on Facebook or like popping up in someone's DMs and having a go at them. That is not the way to be bringing justice. That's not the way to be advocating and speaking out. Mostly because the way algorithms work on social media is you ranting and raving about this thing that is wrong. The people that are going to read that are people who agree with you. Like people who don't agree with you are not going to even be reading that because that's the way social media works, right? That our algorithms work so that you see what you agree with, okay? And also, it's just not a good way of creating dialogue and treating people as human and being humanizing to people, okay? So I'm not saying don't post things on social media if, you, if, if there's something that you feel like people need to be informed about. Please do that. Information's a, a tool of justice, but I'm just saying, don't bring justice. Don't attack people. Don't speak up for people on that platform because it is not the most useful one to do it in. Okay? And the second way, the error that we can stray into, the thing that we need to avoid, is we just need to be very careful that we don't stray towards being Pharisees about it. Between speaking up and going, this is wrong and I know it's wrong and because deep down I feel better than you when I'm saying that. Like, I'm going to stand up for this person because it makes me feel good about myself. I'm going to stand up for this person because I actually feel like I'm better than them. And the truth is we're all we're saved by grace, through faith. It's not even our own. It's given to us by God. And so we are all on the playing field. And the reason that we can do this is because we are empowered by the Spirit and because we're found in Christ. So we should and have to, we have to speak out as God's people against injustice. But we do that not out of a place where we are superior. We're not. We do have a place where we understand the grace of God that's been afforded to us, and we want to afford that to other people. Okay, second thing, stepping in. Okay, and I'm going to give some really real examples from this church that I think there's people here that do this really well, and I hope they hear it in the right voice, and I hope they don't get embarrassed by it. Um, the first person that I think has really shown what it looks like to step into a situation of injustice is, is Jenny Boardman-Holmes and her team at the Chronic Pain Support Group. I'm not sure if Jenny's here. Um, in this meeting, but, but she's, there's an injustice. When people are diagnosed with chronic pain, they are often left out in the cold. Like you know, they've got a diagnosis, they've got a pain management, and then they're kind of left. And Jenny has seen that, and has seen that injustice, and has stepped in and has provided support in a place where there's not a lot of support and funding. And that's a fantastic way to step in to a place of injustice. Um, and the other thing that they are here, so I really hope they hear this right. Um, the other people that I think really support this are, are Chrissy and Mark Hopkins. Because the way that they step in is that they have heard about people being in really tough situations, and they've opened their homes to them. And they regularly welcome people into their, into their homes. And we're not, we're not all going to be in that situation, and you have to have wisdom in that situation. But I feel like Mark and Chrissy, they, they represent what it looks like to step into situations of injustice and to bring about God's justice within those situations. Okay? So those are, those are two real examples. I'm sure we all know of lots more. Okay? And this has been part of the history of the church. That this is what the church did. So like, there was this thing that used to happen in ancient society where if you didn't want a child or if it was a female, quite often, you used to just expose it. And by that mean, what that means is you take the kid, you throw it outside, and you'd leave it to the elements until it died. And what the church did was the church used to go and 
take those babies and take them in and raise them. The church built orphanages for children that didn't have them. The church adopted into their families children who had been cast out. The church built hospitals to care for the sick when other people didn't. I read a story recently about kind of in Alexandria when there was a when there was a plague. We had all the whole of the city was like either running out of the city or would literally be if you if you like had the illness, we're like kicking family members onto the streets to die in the streets, like because it was a plague and people were terrified. And the church was dying in droves because they were doing the opposite. When people got sick, they were going into their houses and they were supporting them and they were bringing relief. And when people died, they were carrying them out and burying them because the church knew what it meant to be bringers of justice, to step into situations of injustice and be God's hands and feet in those places. And this is hard for us for a couple of reasons. And and one of them is because we're British, like, let's be honest, like, Britishness and being British is, is to be reserved and to be kind of thoughtful and considerate. And we all know that, like, when someone's a little bit less like this, it's kind of like, all right, calm down, mate. Because we like, cause, cause it's, it makes us feel uncomfortable when people are passionate or people are, are like, really stepping in. Like, we get a bit uncomfortable because it's not very British. And we're not about British culture. We're about Jesus culture in Britain. Like we love where we live, but it's Jesus culture in Britain. That's, that's what, what we want to see. And so we just need to be careful that we're not, we're not stepping in, not because of any real reason other than it makes us feel awkward because we're British. We just need to make sure that we're stepping in because that's what God is calling us to. And the other reason why this is difficult is because we've been raised in a society that's just individualistic. Like you think about, you're told to think about you. And you alone, and if it ne- impacts negatively on you, like you're told not to do it. And actually, we just need to understand that that's not Jesus' culture. That's not who Jesus is calling us into. He's calling us to step in to the situations around us. And the thing that we need to be careful of in this is that but God is not causing, calling us to solve all of the world's problems. We can't. We cannot solve all of the world's problems. Okay, and I would hold my hand up and say I have I am in massive danger of straying into this error. I've had conversations with Barney um, where I've been like, just this is weighing heavily on my heart, and he's like, right, and I'm like, and this, and he's like, right, and I'm like this, and he's like, okay, anything else? And I'm like, yeah, this, this, and this, and he's like, that's a lot. I can't, we can't solve all the world's problems, but what God has done is God has put us in this place, in the jobs that we're in in the families that we're in, with the friends that we've got, because those are the spaces that God wants us to step into. And those are the spaces that God is going to use his spirit to speak into. And he wants to use us. We are his answer to how justice is to be brought about in this world, in this time, and in this space. We need to walk in step with the spirit. And so this morning, I I, I feel like that there is a response from us that we need to respond to who God is calling us to be. And the first way that we need to respond is we just need to acknowledge we need the Spirit. In order to do his justice, to be bringers of his justice, we need his Spirit. We have to have his Spirit because we need his boldness and his courage to do this. We can't work this up in ourselves. We need him. And the second thing is we just need his wisdom. 
We just need to ask and go, God, where, where? Where are you calling me to step in? And you may already be doing it, and God is just going to come this morning and just confirm to you that that's what he's going to do. So can I just invite Andy and the band up? They're going to lead us in a song, um, and then I'm just going to pray um, as they come up. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that he has come and put all things right. We thank you that, Lord, the, the source of injustice is broken in our lives and is broken in this world through the power of the cross. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill us now? Holy Spirit, meet with us now. Lord, fill us with your courage, your boldness. Lord, would you speak into our lives? Lord, would you reveal to us the places where you're calling us to be agents of justice? And Lord, help us to do this in the right way. Help us to do this in the way that you would do it. And help us to do this in the spaces that you have put us in. And we just ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.